Someone once told me that the line between light and dark is very thin. Walk it alongside me. Cool, that was a nice little pre-video game chat. We do play other video games here. It's not all Destiny all the time. Actually, as we pretty much just said, we've been taking a little bit, I wouldn't say a break, but taking some time to appreciate other games as well. But we're here today to talk about uh, Destiny 2, The Witch Queen. It's amazing. And welcome back, everyone, to episode 27? 27, yeah. At this point, yeah. I'm like, you know, we we said we're doing season two. This is episode one of the season of The Witch Queen, uh, as it will. And, uh, yeah. Do we need episode numbers anymore? At this point, we just keep doing it. I think it is 27, though. 27, 26, 28. It's around there. Yeah. Season two, Bungie's favorite number seven. We did it on purpose, <laughs> y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Anyway, uh, oh, hi, I am Mr. Berta. With me is Mr. Tweezy. We're the co-host of Becoming Legend, a Destiny podcast. Welcome back. Uh, Want to go ahead and take a minute to clear the air about some things. I know that in the last episode, I stated that the second season would begin on February 25th. We discovered upon the release of Witch Queen that there is so much more information <laughs> that we originally thought there's so yeah. much more um of campaign and just content overall things that were updated from previous seasons as well as new areas that are given to you multiple things to interact with in these areas um new stories that are going on new seasonal activities in the helm um saladin's got some storyline going on it, it's a lot so we decided that we would just take a month and Give some time that we can absorb everything and give our feedback on our thoughts of the Witch Queen. Mm-hmm. Also, like before we even get in, obviously you guys have seen by the title, we're talking about Witch Queen today. We're giving our impressions about everything. Mm-hmm. But before we even begin and dis- start discussing things, you know, I think to to highlight what you just said. One of the biggest things is when this campaign came out, I think we were all thinking this was going to be like a six to eight hour campaign. Like even if you were playing on Become Legend, like, you know, this was going to be campaign missions were going to be very quick. We were going to get through it. We were going to get through the story. And by the end of like the first few days, you know, be far enough in the game that we can really start picking things out. But for me, especially, that was not the case. I was not expecting the game to be this long or missions to be as long as they are mm-hmm. again this is a thing that we'll talk about but i do think that that kind of also threw everybody for a loop it was a great loop i am not complaining about it but you know if we're trying to rush to get content out to talk <laughs> about this stuff um the fact that the the length of the game felt a little bit longer and that we needed to really take our time to to see everything because so much has changed. Like it, it isn't fair to, to you guys, the listeners to hear us kind of coming in half cocked and every week having to revise what we said the week prior, because we got further into the story and, you know, like we know, Oh, okay. Well, like now that this has happened, that means that what we said here is wrong. And it's just, it's a whole thing, 
you know, we've reached a point in the game where I think it's starting to calm down a little bit. We're, we're starting to hit like a, a slower period where everybody can kind of like collectively breathe. And, you know, it's been a month, so everybody has been able to, to finish the game on their own time. So now we can really talk about it, you know? Yes, absolutely. So what what are some of the first things that maybe stick out to you about the Witch Queen campaign? What the hell? Indeed. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. That... That wow. was my first take. Love the truth, huh? Um, yeah, like just if we're just talking about the narrative of the campaign, you know, for for months, you and I have been coming up with different theories about how what we knew was going to happen happened. You know, we I even think in the last episode we talked about this new theory that people were floating out there from Bungie themselves about how when we did that uh, Savathun song strike way back in the day there was the the guardian's light that was being trapped in like these these crystals and like maybe that's how she was going to wield the light you know for a little bit i had the the theory that you know coria was going to you know monitor the guardians during savathun's entire time at being osiris and getting those ghost shells and learning how to recreate the light in a way so that it's like an artificial light using the the vex you know, simulations and that is not what happened at all, at least from my read. Uh, And I honestly, there are moments throughout the game where I just audibly was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Sorry. I know I shouldn't, but like, I think you need to throw it in there. We'll bleep it. I think you need to throw it in there. Finding Sagira's shell. Yes. You know, or like the ghost yeah. of Segura, like all of these things. I started having so many questions. And then once it finally gets revealed how she got the light, I was blown away and angry and confused. And like, I am so excited for what this means moving forward for this game. Oh, yeah. What about you? What, <laughs> what were oh, yeah. your thoughts? So um, I'd like to tease the listeners a little bit. We will discuss how she got the light. We're going to do it a little bit later in the episode. So please stick around. Don't go anywhere. For me, again, mm-hmm. um, really the, the length of the campaign missions, first of all. Um, I did play it on yeah. uh, Becoming oh, wow. Legend mode, of course. How could I not? That's our podcast mm-hmm. name. That's our clan name. All the clan did it together. It was great, um, which was significantly I mean, I- more difficult than I initially thought. Perhaps mission one and two are like a high-level strike, but once you get later in the campaign mm-hmm. by mission three, by mission four, you're getting absolutely wrecked. And what is interesting about the length of these missions is it really feels like instead of one mission at a time, they kind of combine them into sequences. So there are some sequences that are two missions long, there are some that are four missions long, and it doesn't really tell you, hey, the mission is still going. Like you, you get to a boss, you beat it, and you're used to, okay, I've got 30 seconds until I go to orbit or something like that. And you just kind of hang out. You're like, wait a minute, nothing's happening. And you realize that there's a secret area that you need to go to that progresses the mission. Like, oh, wow, there's more? There's more like it just keeps mm-hmm. going. And again, by like mission four, especially the scorn boss that a lot of the communities had a lot of trouble with in <laughs> becoming legend mode. Um, it's really kind of like figuring out a mini raid 
during campaign missions because it doesn't tell you that you need to pop certain crystals or that you need to do something in a certain order in order to remove the boss's shield. It really builds on all of your experience through Destiny as a whole and combines all of that knowledge into these individual missions where you know that that's critical for survival, especially in legend mode where um, you're capped 30 light level under the power. So if it's 1550 and your player is 1550, because say you've been doing strikes and, and crucible all day, that doesn't matter. It's going to lower your light down 30 levels below so that it is a proper challenge. And whenever you play with teammates, mm-hmm. It gets harder. Mm-hmm. It literally adjusts the difficulty of the level based on how many players are playing in your fire team. So that way, it's not you can't really just cheese it. Yeah. So to me, just the level of of just thought that they've really put into the campaign, making it yeah uh, really enjoyable for us veteran players. Yeah, it definitely felt wow. like everything led us to each point because. We didn't even go to like I don't even remember going to orbit. You know, you would be on the throne world. Right. And then you would do a sequence of missions, get like four or five different chests, which also felt great. Like just going mm-hmm. through, getting these chests, getting all of this loot, and then just keep going. But then when the mission ended, you would find yourself in the throne world in a very similar space to where you left. And then you just have to navigate the throne world in order to get to the next piece of the campaign. And I thought that was just incredibly smart. You know, because it forced us, the players, also to run around the entire throne world and learn all of these different areas. Like, okay, well, these enemies are going to be here, and, like, Phoenix is here, so, like, this is where I'm going to be for this. Or, like, over here is where all the high things are if I pick up this challenge. And I just, it really kind of, like, you know, handholds you through the campaign, but in a way that feels like everything is just a complete extension. You're not like waiting. You're not of any of the problems that in the past we've had, you know, where it's just do one single mission, get the chest, leave, come back, do another mission, get the chest, leave to space, come back like that. That wasn't there. And it just felt really good, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It felt like a good way for them to, Extend the campaign without necessarily extending the gameplay time or the loading time. Because like yeah, you would right? say, if you do one mission and go to orbit every single time like that, you know, you're spending two to five, uh, maybe about two to five minutes in between missions. That extends the time and that can pull people out. Whereas if you're left there in the game, fully immersed, ready to go do whatever's next, you know, it does feel a lot better to me. Yeah. Because it also gives you time, like if you have any deep sight weapons, which again, we'll talk about, like... Mm-hmm. You can spend those times like now that you've gotten it from the from the chest, you can kind of run around all the spaces where, you know, social spaces ads are going to to spawn. You can just run around, get some kills, kind of just like work on some of your bounties if you're if you're not paying any attention and then just get right back into it. And it like it felt more seamless of a campaign that way. Yes. So yeah. it was good. It was good. It was long, but it was good. And it was well worth it. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. You mentioned mm-hmm. something there about deep sight weapons. Mm-hmm. So deep sight weapons are something that was introduced with the Witch Queen campaign. Basically what it is, 
is now your weapons have the option of being upgradable. Whereas before, say you could spend um, you could spend some glimmer and some enhancement cores in order to increase upgrade your weapon and masterwork it well they again changed masterworking for the new season so masterworking your weapon no longer guarantees orbs of light it's based on a mod that you can attach to your helmet well then what's the Mm -hmm. point of upgrading your weapon then there are way more perks that you can unlock for your weapon it is much easier for you to build or craft your god roll or something close to it um, mm-hmm. as well as it's as simple as the more you play with the weapon, the more you'll unlock for it. If there's a, a gun that you like, Hey, this feels kind of good. Maybe I'll use it for a while. It will get better the more you play with it. And some of these like really have God roll perks that unlock at stage 10, whenever mm-hmm. you masterwork them, as well as not only are you upgrading your single weapon, it unlocks weapon frames, which allow you to build another one. So if you mm-hmm. don't like the one that you have currently, you, you fully leveled it up to stage 10 it doesn't have the role you want you can actually go to uh the enclave and recraft your weapon reforge your weapon exactly the way you want so yeah big fan of that big fan of that yeah so what do you think of weapon crafting overall i really enjoyed it um you know the, the first weapon that you craft is the glaive which introduces the new weapon mm-hmm. type that you play with. I uh, I don't think I've gotten a second glaive yet. I've been trying to chase the one from the raid. It hasn't dropped for me. So I'm still just playing yeah. with the first one that they give you. But I really enjoy it. Um, the way they walk you through crafting your glaive, again, shows you how to apply the um, sorry different abilities. You can upgrade your handling, your... Uh, your recoil, your reload speed, range, damage, etc. Um, but hey, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. Every time I get a weapon to drop, I make sure to fully upgrade it and then uh, scrap it for those uh, cores so that I can apply them to any weapon that I'm really chasing, which usually is the sniper rifle or the rocket mm-hmm. launcher. Yeah. What about yeah. you? That's what's up. I have some reserves. I uh, I... I like the system, but I do think that there are some things that could be fixed. You know, like, again, this is just me. It, it's very weird when you are crafting weapons. You know, I think the original intention behind all of this was, again, for something that they talk about a lot. And as a result, we talk about a lot. Like, free, like players' freedom of expression. Mm-hmm. The ability to play the game the way that you want to play with the weapons and the armor that you want to play with, with the mods that you want to play with suited towards how you want to play. Like everything is, is being built towards this, right? And they've already made some announcements that they're changing parts of, of how this works in order to, um, to further improve it. Cause it is very confusing. There was a lot of currencies yeah. that were introduced mm-hmm. where I was like, oh, I don't really want to remember any of these. <laughs> Right now, I think my biggest problem with weapon crafting, I think that the entire system is great. I think the way that you, um, you're you not guaranteed, like it's, you can get a weapon to drop, but not every weapon is going to drop with deep site resonance. And then you need multiple deep, you know, fully upgraded deep site to unlock a, a recipe of it. So it's great because it, it's not something that people can just like rush and do at the same time. And I think that it's great that we have the ability to craft these weapons and really tailor the builds, but it doesn't feel like once you find that God roll, it doesn't feel like the system is currently rewarding you for wanting to mess around and try new builds. Because even if you spend the money to unlock the perk on the weapon, 
you have if you change it, you know, like if you you get the weapon at level one, you unlock all the things that you can, and then your weapon's like level ten, and you decide that you're going to play around to start changing some of those um, mods. If you change the mods and you try to go back to what you had before, you still have to spend mm-hmm. currency. And that's my biggest problem with the with the crafting system right now, is the fact that I have to spend currency on something that I already thought that I unlocked to put it back on my weapon. You know? And then they have all of these perks that you can get on these guns, like on the regular rolls of these guns, they have all these perks where you can unlock something if you get 10,000 kills with that gun with those perks. But it feels like that is too high for those guns. And I can't tell if that is just unlocking it permanently for my upgradable weapons or what, you know? And so I don't get the point of that. It, it's, it's rough, you know? Like, this is a version one of a new weapon mm-hmm. crafting system. They're obviously going to make improvements to it. They're, they're listening to the community. But that was my two big gripes is that it felt like I shouldn't be running any other weapon other than the weapons that I, that I craft because nothing else is going to matter. You know, like no matter what I do, if I, if I run this and, and upgrade everything, it doesn't really matter in the long run because I, it's not going to transfer over to my crafted weapon. So I need to just focus on my crafted weapons. And so I've been focusing on getting the recipes, crafting the weapons so that I can upgrade them from there instead of really playing around with builds. So that's it. That's, that's it. Again, it's not. It's a petty gripe, you know. <laughs> mm, not necessarily. It's because a small now that you're one. Bringing that up, I mean, that is going to be a a big factor for a lot of people. Like I didn't think about it at the beginning of the episode, yeah. but now that you mention it, like having to constantly manage your deep site uh, resources is a little bit of a pain in co- in comparison to things that we've done in the past. Um, one thing that came yeah. to mind while you were speaking is the resonance cores specifically. I, in my opinion, think that they are not being dropped at a high enough rate. Um, what they are, audience, is... I agree. You know how I was saying how you can upgrade your uh, guns from level 1 to level 10? Not really. You can get it to about level 8, but level 9 and 10, you're going to need specific resources that you can only get from farming specific activities or purchasing them from the gunsmith. But even then, he only lets you buy like two or three at a time. So... You cannot yeah. upgrade every single deep side weapon that drops all the way. I mean, maybe if you you know play twenty four seven and really put the hours into this game, possibly. But if you play maybe two to three times a week, then you really need to pick and choose which where you want to invest your time first. At least whenever it comes to these weapons yeah. and to get the rewards. Perfect example. So everybody's been talking about the new. Um, submachine gun exotic, the Osteostriga. It's basically a poison submachine gun. It's pretty great. It has an awesome catalyst, especially if you're a warlock and you run them with necrotic grips, the poison actually stacks. So this gun... Yeah, I've right. been meaning to run yeah, that Yeah, poison locks are the way to go. But if you want to masterwork that gun, you need the, you need the upgrade... I'm sorry, the upgrade cores. The resonance cores. And like at the time, yeah. I, I was out. So I'm just running around, even in the raid, and like, oh, do you have the catalyst? Like, no, because I don't have any cores. Even though I've been playing so much, yeah. but they're not, they only drop in specific activities. So that is something that they can change, is just to make it so um, they either increase the rate that they drop the cores or just change the system altogether. Change the currency. Give us currency options. I, I'll spend 100,000 Glimmer, fine. But... <laughs> 
Well, maybe not even spend a hundred thousand glimmer, right? Like you do drop it does drop like some sort of like alloy whenever right. you dismantle a weapon. You know, so maybe you can take it from that, you know, just be like, okay, cool, like I'm just gonna take these and maybe it'll be like twenty five of those plus like ten, twenty, fifty thousand glimmer, you know, can ca- you like you can craft it yourself. Instead of having to, you know, like you can craft it yourself using some of your materials, you can buy it outright for even more price, or you can drop it, you know, just increase the way that you do it because it, it just feels, yeah, it feels like you just really need to focus on specific weapons and mm-hmm. it even sucks even mm-hmm. past that, you know. So I have that, that gun and I don't have <laughs> see, the catalyst. See what I mean? <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. But overall, so. besides, I mean, sorry, we went on for a little bit about this topic, but we're being honest about how we feel, which is what we're here for. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. um, but other than that, I think yeah. that overall the crafting system is pretty good. I really like the fact that the, you can get some perks that were previously only on certain weapons on almost all of your weapons. I got a um, auto rifle, Yeah, I think Crave or Cleave, I don't know what the new one is called. I think it's Crave. Anyway, mm-hmm. I got an auto rifle to drop with headstone. So every time I get a headshot kill, I, they turn into an icicle. Yeah. And then I pop that. Yeah, exactly. Turn pop that stasis, stasis crystal, crystle yeah. makes some more. Like you can do some really insane stuff with the stasis builds now, especially now warlocks have a um, exotic gauntlet called Ozeomancy Gloves, which allows you to throw th- two uh, ice bolt grenades. And just imagine what you can do with that. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can do a lot. So overall, I'm I'm really yeah. happy with the Witch Queen. Like, um, one thing yeah. that we need to discuss next, as we just talked about weapon crafting, is the place where weapon crafting is held. The Enclave. The Enclave is a new three man or your fire mm-hmm. team social space given to you that is on Mars, and that is majority where you go to uh, speak with Ikora or get get updates on the story. Not only is there weapon crafting there, there is also a mystery solving puzzle there. I'm not going (laughs) to say much more than that, but there are, there are hidden mysteries hidden within the throne world that once you find them, you'll be able to interact at the enclave and update to the mystery and solve what is going on. So I'm a big fan of that place, and and you know as mm-hmm. soon as they gave it to me, I was really wowed, especially with the background with Savathun's ship kind of floating in the distance. But what do you kind of think about the Enclave and the way yeah. we discovered it? I, I think that the way that we discovered it is pretty cool. Uh, you know, we definitely it, it definitely has a lot of questions. You know, that still come to mind. You know, is the Enclave permanent? What has happened to Mars to where we are seeing a fracturing of time? Is it something that we did with the sundial that's causing this? Is it something that the darkness has done on Mars? There's a lot of questions about what exactly is happening on the planet itself, mm-hmm. not even on, on Sabathian's throne world. Um, and I love the mystery thing that they included simply just because it is – a continuation of PVE activity that is yes. a fair amount of PVE activity for the person who completes the campaign. There's still more stuff to do and more stuff to unlock and more stuff to figure out and more of the story to learn once you finish the campaign. And that's great because, you know, for so long it has been, okay, well, I finished the campaign, so these are this is what's left, you know, like whatever. More content 
after that that requires you to explore and to upgrade and like really invest your time uh, was something that I thought was super great. Because it's just like, yeah, like I want to do more stuff after I'm done with the campaign. Continue to show me cool stuff, you know? And I have hope that maybe this is a space that is going to evolve as we go from season to season. I'm still holding out hope that this expansion is one where it tells little more of the story of the expansion mm-hmm. every season, if that makes sense. You know, because the way that the story ended, it's very open-ended. We can have more stuff happen in this space, in this world, for the people that bought the campaign, you know, without having it time, like, you know, so that it doesn't feel like every season is just, oh, all the new stuff is the the season itself. There's nothing new with the campaign. Like, it doesn't feel like we finished it. Maybe just continue to sprinkle stuff out. Maybe the Enclave, since it's a new social space, maybe the mystery board will update Maybe Ikora will become more of a vendor again, other than selling all of your uh, your stays like your your fragments and your aspects and all of your grenades and shit. Like maybe she'll do something more within the Enclave itself. So yeah, fingers I crossed. I would love to see that. Fingers and, crossed. Um, just like you were saying, how we don't fully understand how Mars is back. You know. Pre-Witch Queen, I was 100% convinced that, oh, Savathun brought it back. Savathun got the light. She did some stuff. She went over to the Ascendant plane and ripped a planet back or something like that. Um, You know, you can just come up with any theory for this game. But now that we're in the Witch Queen, to me, unless I clearly missed something, which is entirely possible, it didn't fully explain how Mars is back. There is a piece where Savathun gives you a hint but Savathun is playing a game in a memory that you interact with where she gives you two truths and two lies. And you have to kind of pick out which one is which. And one of the things that she states is um, that the darkness brought back the planet, a character from the darkness, which we'll discuss a little bit later on. Um, so mm-hmm. it's entirely possible that another being brought Mars back. It could be something from time travel, which is really what it's looking like whenever you in- actually go around on Mars and discover the Enclave. And not only, like you said, um, does that kind of set up the future for seasonal content, uh, it's a great location that all of the races can interact with. They all have something to do there that's relevant. So even in the current season, it's Cabal and Hive. But with the time travel aspects, you could absolutely introduce the Vex in there. You could have um, the remaining fallen houses besides House Light try to find a new home in Mars. You have the Rasputin stories going on. You know, there's a lot of um, unresolved kind of tales that need to be wrapped up on Mars. So it's very interesting to see what they're going to be giving us over the next year. Yeah, I I think it's great. I'm <laughs> again. It sounds like a lot of praise because it is a lot of praise. This has been a great expansion. Uh, yeah, I definitely think that the space is cool. I can't wait to see what they do with it. Uh, I can't wait to see if it has significance moving forward, uh, or if some of those questions that we have get answered in the coming seasons. But like, I don't know. You know, I also wish that we can just continue to take that cannon over, and it'll just take us directly to the throne world. But it doesn't seem like that happens. Um, 
So what are your overall thoughts on the Man, I don't know. <laughs> At the end of the day, I don't know. Um, I love the location. <laughs> I absolutely love the way they designed it. I love the fact that it's Sabathun reborn in light and all of her previous hive kind of necrotic stuff is going away and being remodeled in the light and, um, you know, everything is, is brighter. Uh, I really liked her new Hive Guardians that she's introduced. Those were really fun to play with. Um, I did predict correctly that there's not going mm-hmm. to be every single Hive that's infused with the light. It's going to be select few. That way it's it's not absolutely crazy. But I could see modes in the future where they yeah. introduce more at a time and give you a little bit more of a challenge. Because even here, you do encounter the Hive Guardians, but it's usually one at a time, maybe two. Yeah, the only time that you experience them like in mass mm-hmm. is I think the Which the last doozy. mission Ooh. of uh of the campaign itself yes. is the only time Absolutely. that you really experience all three of them. Um I really liked so. the pyramid and everything Maybe that's going on with there. Um one part that really did catch me by surprise, I was certain mm-hmm. that we would not be going into the pyramid until the raid. Well, I'm extremely surprised in episode I'm sorry, in mission like or I want to say you actually go inside the pyramid yourself and go and explore and see that the pyramid reacts to you as a light bearer. Mm-hmm. Like it's at walls are changing and tunnels are rearranging and the, it's like the pyramid is alive and can sense you there. So it's really um, the, the ambience and environment that they put us in in there was, was really fun to enjoy. And even there are uh, some battles that take place underneath the pyramid. They were really enjoyable to me. Um, not to mention the fact that the Scorn are back now as well. And, and you still don't really know where they side with either because mm-hmm. they've been worshiping the darkness and, and kind of working towards the darkness over previous seasons. And yet you find them here also invading Savathun's throne world. You know, you're try- what exactly is going on there? Are they being led by Zivu or Wrath? There's no specific mention there. Or is something else going on? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I I did think that we were going to see Zivu a little bit more, uh, but we haven't, so maybe that's for future seasons. But yeah, uh, I also think that it's just great because there is, again, secrets in the map. Like, you know, we Destiny fans love mm-hmm. having secrets on new worlds, things that we can explore, that you can come back to. Um, there's the whole Deep Sight Resonance Level 3 stuff that you, you got to level up in order to do. Um, it also felt like uh, it was very rewarding in the sense that instead of introducing a new material for us to pick up and figure out, what they ended up doing was they just made that, like yeah. picking up the, the shiny loot, whatever ball. It, it's a ball. You know, picking that up off the ground is going to give you just, you know, like more XP towards leveling up your, your level on the throne world. Mm-hmm. I was just like, this is great. Like, keep, keep this up, please. You know, I did think that the the light areas are very interesting. I was hoping that there was going to be more secrets just around the map regarding that, like things where, and maybe maybe there is, maybe at the time that we're recording this, we just haven't discovered it yet because there's still things we haven't figured out about the game. Um, but I, I do think that this was also just a great space because it, you know, like visually you're seeing this like confliction of Sabathun and, you know, 
this side is the light. This side is is more. Uh, sorry, guys. This side is more. Uh, you know, hive ish has been left abandoned. Has been taken over by the scorn. Uh, so, hopefully, again, we get to to learn more about this space, and maybe and it's not going to change as things progress. But maybe it does. You know, like maybe. Uh, given what we know about the campaign, maybe more light area starts to invade. There's still a lot of this game to play. Uh, so I'm just really hoping that this beautiful space that they've built and that they spent all this time making work really well uh, will be a space that we can continue to come back to for something other than uh, weapon bounties yeah. that you run at the beginning of the week every week to get that pinnacle. Yeah, if that absolutely. makes you know, any sense. Especially like what you yeah. said about there being more to do in the in the light areas, I really think they will continue yeah. to expand upon that because what is one of the things that's currently happening in the season? Um, sorry for the spoilers. You do kill Savathun during the Witch Queen. If you didn't know, now you know. Yeah, she's officially uh, R.I.P. Mm-hmm. But her lucent breed have been able to maintain their connection to the light for reasons, which again, I will get, I will get into a little bit later on into the episode. I'm holding the suspense for a reason, but, um, Sabathun is dead. And you would think with everything that you know (laughs) about, um, the sword logic that if you cut off the head of the snake, for example, if you cut off the leader that everyone else will lose their connection to the light. Well, that's not necessarily what is happening. So since there are, um, lucent breed that are able to hold on to the to the light. Of course, there's someone trying to take Savathun's place and become the new leader, become the new head light hive wizard thing. And there is literally a bowl full of that stuff on the on uh, in her castle. Mm-hmm. That giant bowl in the sky is literally filled with light that she, that is the distributary where it's given out to the other hybrids. So that's what we're protecting right now. And, you know, should we fail, there could be a whole new threat or perhaps Savathun rises and, and mm-hmm. seizes it later down the line. Um, one, of the, one of the encounters that I uh, played through in the light area that I really, really enjoyed, especially as a callback from D1, was the fact that Alakul is back. All the cool, the light, uh, what is it, the light blade now? Man, um, if you don't know, <laughs> All the cool was a strike boss from the Taken King so, expansion. Yeah. And he was um, he was in a relationship with a hive wizard, and mm-hmm. they decided to rebel against Oryx at the time. Oryx caught them, step, separated them, threw All the cool into his prison in the deepest, darkest part of his um, dungeon where none could reach him, not even the light or the dark. But we go down there and, you know, we kill him because after you take care of Oryx, he's the next in line. So the fact that Savathun, I guess, thought he was important enough to bring back, or I don't know if there's specific relation, but it was fun engaging with um, Alakul again and his giant axe mechanics. <laughs> it was dope. It, again, it's also another thing that led to more questions, you know, because of what we know and how things happened as far as receiving the light. Um, it There's just a lot of questions that continue to be had about how come we are not able to do what is happening with Sabathun. Why is Sabathun able to distribute the light? You know, does she pick who to revive? Does she know where their bodies are? Um 
Or is it random chance? Is it just whoever they come across and that just happens to be the person that they came across? But what also excited me uh, specifically about the the reintroduction of, of a character from, you know, a, a much beloved expansion is that I was in my head. I was like, I thought we took care of this person on the dreadnought. This is not the dreadnought. And I just like out of all the spaces that we haven't gotten back, the dreadnought is one where I'm like, please, can we get it back? You know, so could we potentially see a reintroduction of the dreadnought for like the I've been predicting this for so long? Like, please, can we just do it once? Uh, Will this be like the new legacy thing once they (laughs) vault? uh, Sorry, once they vault the vault of glass. I was like, this is going to sound stupid, but I'll say it anyways. Um you know, is is that going to be the next raid that they bring back of a classic raid? Like, is that what we've got coming up? So, uh, I I just have like every little thing is little details that we talk about, and that was one of those little details where I was just like, man, like these are people who know like what they're doing. The fact that they're bringing this back, uh, the community is going to kind of read into this a lot more then we probably should but i'm i'm right here to read into it as much as yeah. i can and hope that you know like we're going to see this again because come on yeah and with the specific you can't just make a callback to the taken exactly King with not, all the cool and everything we know about know, him like, and his rise against oryx i appreciate it that but, somehow must have had yeah. some sort of significance right. with savathun it wouldn't be just chance or she would have just revived her daughter that we killed in um in yeah i'm sorry what dungeon is that it's uh the one underneath dreaming city the shattered throne thank you sorry about that but yeah so you would think she would bring someone who's a little uh, bit closer to her throne. maybe some direct family but for some reason all yeah. cool is back and like no, you said good. like we are going to read into that because it's provided to us and especially now in this campaign where everything is important i highly doubt that it, it just happened to bring back one of the greatest threats to her brother, at least internally. But. Mm-hmm. Me neither. Yeah. Me neither. So. I don't believe in coincidence. I think I've held your suspense long enough, people. We're actually about the 41 minute mark. <laughs> and uh, we've been going for a while, but I'm sorry. We're excited about this game and we took a month off. We haven't had a chance to talk about it. So we haven't even yeah, discussed it with each other too much. So we're just really exploring <laughs> all of our thoughts and letting it out there to be known. Um, yes. Ish. Mm-hmm. Sort of. But you know how we were talking about Life. how we're going to reveal Ish. how Sabathun got the light. I think this is the time where we should uh, capitalize on that a little bit. So all of my theories were wrong. All of them. The whole thing about... Um, her working, her working as Osiris mm-hmm. and taking the dead ghost shells and possibly studying them, reformatting them in Hive technology. Possibly Nakris not being really dead and having something to do with um, the revival of the, the Hive after they die. Or another thing that I thought was going to happen was Savathun was going to die at the end of last season and Nakris was going to bring her back. But turns out none of those things happened and... The thing that we least expected to happen happened. Mm-hmm. 
Traveler literally gave her the light. Yeah. The, yeah. So, no, it wasn't an enemy. It wasn't some hive magic, a little bit of that later down the yeah. road. But the initial choice of the Traveler to gift Savathun the light was made uninhibited by the Traveler. No one forced that decision on him. There was no, oh, I have to do this or something else is going to happen. He didn't even think about betraying the Guardians or the fact that if you empower Savathun, you know she's going to try to wipe us out. And this yeah. is what infuriates me is the fact that we cannot speak to the Traveler. Like, I want to speak directly to the Traveler and say, what is wrong with you, man? <laughs> but I, I believe, and let me know what you think, Mr. Tweezy, but okay. I think that the reason the Traveler gifted Savathun the light is because I think the Traveler doubts us as its guardians and its protectors and saw the possibility of invoking a new species to be guardians who could potentially protect the traveler from the darkness or the character, mm -hmm. the voice in the darkness. So what do you kind of think about that? Do you think there's some truth there or do you have some theories about how she was able to attain the light? Why would the traveler have done this? Because I had the same reaction uh, that Zavala yeah. did in the game where he <clears throat> slams his fist on the table and he honestly can't believe what's going on. Yeah. Uh, I probably fall in the same boat there. Uh, no, it was very interesting when the reveal happened because after I got over my initial what just happened phase um, and really started thinking about what I had witnessed, there was a couple things that stuck out. The first of which, and, and this was a gut reaction, was, oh my goodness, gonna leave again. Reformed, going to leave again. You know, has found a new species, and we are going to be left like the Elixni, you know, lightless, because that's just, that seems to be an MO uh, of, of the Traveler right now. There was this, a thing in the cutscene with Ikora where we learn the secret of the worm that just was very interesting because of the fact that there was implications that if the, the voice behind the darkness, if, if the witness was not able to convince Sathona to convince her siblings to leave fundament and to seek out the darkness that she and potentially the krill would have been bestowed the light there you know like the witness says something to the effect of you know we have to get to her before the light does yeah you know and is it because she is a threat is it because her cunning is so great that she could be a th like a actual threat uh, to everybody, is it the magic that she is able to wield? Don't know. Um, but it was definitely something that was very hard to take because also the entire time that we are going through the campaign, um, we start to learn that these hive ghosts aren't new ghosts. They're, you know, like a lot of them are existing ghosts who are 
you know, either can you know convinced in some way, shape, or form to help Sabathun. And I start to feel real guilty, you know. Oh, like you know, like I I feel guilty about destroying these ghosts, but I don't feel guilty about destroying the hive because they stole the light. And I went with that narrative through the entirety of the campaign until the very end where I was like, oh, they didn't steal the light. It feels like they were given Mm -hmm. it. And so who am I now in this world where I am willing, like we, uh, we had some arguments at work (laughs) regarding this because of crow um, where I very much gave the position of like, you know, like these are, we, we know these hive are hive that were bestowed the light from the traveler. And for years we have been told, like we have been told to not doubt the traveler's will. And that, that has waned a little bit as the darkness was introduced and beyond light. But this was something that was not foreseen. You know, all of our wildest theories that we had never took into account the possibility that the traveler himself itself bestowed the light of willingly. And so I think the way that the mission ended with her ghost disappearing, you know, and, and not reviving her is great because maybe when she also gets revived, maybe we can find out a little bit more, or maybe the, the, the traveler will start speaking to us in the way that it used, like the way that it has been instead of having to speak to, you know, through the, the speaker themselves maybe we'll be able to figure out what's going on because it definitely was like, uh, you know, a betrayal. Like I've devoted all of my energy towards this and you grant this gift to my greatest enemy. Mm-hmm. No, no, I'm not cool with that. Agreed. Yeah. I had some thoughts. <laughs> I was very, <laughs> very taken aback. But hey, I'm glad that all my predictions are wrong. Because with all my predictions being wrong, I now get to question a lot more things. And now I have a lot more questions that I need to answer. You know, it wouldn't have been as fun if I was right. Absolutely. At this point, I would say it is fair to say that I have way more questions than I do answers about what is going on in the game. And that excites me. It really does. Just like what you just stated, it kind of made me glad to be wrong that all my predictions were false because now... I have no idea what's going on. It's just a frantic search for knowledge and lore wherever I can get it, reading armor pieces or weapons or finding something in the game, um, you know, doing Iron mm-hmm. Banner and seeing what Lord Saladin's up to. Not not really. I only played Iron Banner one day this week. Not really. Because I had to. No. But, you know. <laughs> I haven't touched it at all. <laughs> I kind of figured. I was like, oh, yeah, he's not Iron Banner. I hate no, Iron that's, Banner. That's, that's not it. Especially with the new uh, changes that they've made to Void, which... Just to talk about that just a little bit, the new Void 3.0 system <laughs> is truly amazing. And they've introduced several aspects um, pretty quickly. Like, I think it was within a week of the of the uh, yeah. campaign releasing that you were able to receive new Void aspects, whereas previously you had to wait every season to get two new ones. So. Oh. Yeah, no, they unlocked it all mm-hmm. uh, after the raid. After the raid was completed, they unlocked uh, all the rest of the fragments. I see. Yeah, it was dope. I'm still running the same <laughs> shit. It doesn't matter. Yes. Curse the old gods. Mm-hmm. Come at me. The worm god's going to come for you. Nah. 
That I actually I I really thought like if if Void 3.0, you know, this new mod system, seeing it with the light subclasses now, I'm like, oh, okay, I cannot I cannot wait. I already know that Icarus Dash is gonna be an aspect. Like you don't even gotta tell me, I already know. But uh yeah, I'm real excited for uh for that to come out. Like, you know, for the rest of these uh light subclasses to get these these upgrades and to see what's gonna happen because mm-hmm. this system is great. I really like this new design concept around the core verbs and everything. Uh and it's also something that makes me want to play the other characters so that I can experience it. Because hunters can just be yes. unbiz for like ever. All day. You know? It's really yeah. bad in Crucible. Yeah. And like it's been great uh, running. I ran my Titan for a little bit because I got my wife to play a little bit. Uh, and like even even that felt great. You know, like the, the ability that I was able to use and, you know, the way that I was able to actually help the team by throwing down my barriers, having the gauntlets on that allows everybody to shoot through, giving everybody an overshield. Like, you know, it really continues to elevate that feeling of a titan of i am the protector i will take all the bullets i am the bullet sponge i am the most powerful one here and i will help protect all of you while the warlock yes. heals you know it just it was great it was yeah. it was super dope they've turned the roles aspects so. up a lot for the particular classes like you said hunters are yeah. invisible and doing support all yeah. day uh war uh, warlocks have mostly <laughs> been shifted to healing and dps and uh titan is is you know just yeah. a tank all over um but the fact that it's so much fun to play with these new void aspects really has me looking forward to the other subclasses in future seasons like you said solar in particular i really want to see what kind of things they do with that uh you know they had the bonk titan build of last season you know i'm sure they're going to come out with something crazy <laughs> again but um you know yeah. and even the warlock's abilities to heal now have gone up like a ton. You can heal with your well now. You can heal mm-hmm. with uh, with certain weapons. You can heal with grenades. You can get those abilities right back over and yeah. over. Or you can make yourself impossible to kill with the devour warlock. Create a, uh, a high grenade build, high discipline, and you'll be able to stay alive pretty much forever. If especially if you're in an area with a lot of yeah, uh, red bars. Great. Yeah, very easy. Mm-hmm. No, it's great. I just go around punching things. It's, you know, I'm like, you know, this, I think this is what it's supposed to feel like to be a Titan, but I'm definitely a warlock right now. And and I am just Leroy Jenkinsing all over the place. But no. And it's also been great because as a result of Void and the changes to Void, I do think that we're seeing um, less stasis overall. Um because it used to be that people would just play stasis because that's the only one that you can fine tune towards the way you play. Now with void, I see a lot of people who are enjoying the void changes so much that I'm not really seeing much solar, much arc in any of like the PVP stuff that I play. It's it's a lot of void, still some stasis, and then very few solars. And and solars are mostly just because like Icarus Dash for warlocks mm-hmm. if you're playing against people at high level PVPs. Uh you know, th- that's just an ability that right. that has a lot of power. You know, or if you're playing any sort of strikes or anything like that, you know, warlocks throwing down wells. But like, you really don't see it. Void's what everybody's running right now, and it's great because <laughs> now I'm not running into stasis. Yes, that's awesome. But some of the uh, stasis effects have been transferred yeah. over to void as well, like the new um, 
Vortex Grenade actually has a pull effect, which I really enjoy, especially if you're being hunt- hounded by two knights, two sword knights, toss a grenade right in between them. It literally pulls them together and does damage. And, you know, that's a lot better than it used to be where the Vortex Grenade was only good on um, stationary targets for the most part. They could walk right out of your grenade before, whereas now it literally holds them in place while you do damage. Toss your little void buddy at them, explode them, suck their soul out, do it again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's great. Not going (laughs) to lie. That's what I've been running. (laughs) All right. Well, to wrap it up, I think this is the perfect time to rank this and put it into perspective where we place this expansion in relation to all of the other expansions that have come out. We can include Vanilla D1. We can include Vanilla D2. But if you were to rank this new expansion, where would you place it in your list? I would have to say... Probably top three. I don't think I can say number one for sure. And it could just be, um, you know, it could just be the fact that I'm remembering and having such a a fun time with the rise of iron. I really did enjoy that campaign and the the raid and especially Siva Mm -hmm. uh, and all the lore there. But I I definitely would say top three for enjoyability, discoverability, um, mysteries and, Content, like the amount of content, and you know what? I mean, I'm gonna scrap that top two, top two. I can't, I still can't <laughs> yeah. give it one, but top two. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. It definitely, it definitely is in the top three. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, you know, before this, you know, my mm-hmm. top three were Beyond Light at number three. Uh, and then I had Forsaken at number two right. and Taken King at number one. You know, uh, Taken King was such a pivotal change to the way that Vanilla Destiny was played. It was a, the expansion that reignited my, my passion for Destiny. And like it was that expansion that really drove my love for Destiny into Overdrive. It was that specific one. Mm-hmm. Forsaken for Destiny 2 accomplished a lot of the same things. Destiny 2, unfortunately, launched really poorly. And while we were building towards these exciting new campaigns, like, you know, exciting kind of-ish things, Curse of Osiris sucked, but Warmind was pretty good. Um, Forsaken definitely started putting us down a path of, okay, well, like, if this is the way that we're going to go with Destiny 2... It's pretty great. And then Beyond Light, very obvious. It is the first new subclass that we've gotten. In a little bit, we've gotten to explore and learn about the darkness. Uh, Europa was super cool. Having pinnacle activities that we were able to do every week, introducing the, the legendary and master lost sectors. There's a lot that happened with Beyond Light uh, that I think is very commendable. Uh... So this All right. gets placed in my number yeah. two slot behind Taken King. I can't, uh, unfortunately, I, I'm not, I can't sit here and be like, yes, this is overtaking the Taken King for mm-hmm. me. This is the best expansion that I've ever played. 
But I might change that if, depending on True. how the year goes. You know, there's still a lot to happen. And I will reevaluate where this sits, like where the entire year sits, you know, once we're close to the end and once we, we see all the changes. Because there's still a lot to happen in this campaign as far as new, the, the light subclass is being changed. And I don't yeah. know how that's going to go. It could be great. It could be shit. But it is, this, is, this has been one of the best campaigns, like as far as storytelling surprises, the storytelling itself, the length of the missions, the rewards that you're getting, the amount of things that I can now do in the game. And like, you know, it's not like, oh, well, I'm going to log on today and I'm going to just focus on getting all of my weeklies done. And then I'm going to start doing all of this. It was like, okay, well, like I have the weeklies that I can do. Everybody is now a vendor, so I can kind of work on everybody's different ranks if, if I wanted to. Like I can level myself up with a gunsmith or whatever. I have weapons that I can upgrade. I have builds that I can test out. There's just so much stuff that I can now do in the game that uh, it it feels rewarding even logging in for five minutes and just getting a couple kills like five ten minutes if that's all i can do in between like you know uh walking the dogs and when dinner's ready you know like after dinner before i need to start getting ready for bed like i can put in a little bit of time and even that small amount of time is going to net me a reward and i haven't had that feeling in a very long time so this this is definitely number two for me unfortunately it's not number one Right now, but it could be. Yeah, that's completely understandable. And you know what? Because we're comparing all of the expansions as a whole, I think that's what makes it a little bit harder to discern exactly what is number one and number two and for what reason. I can absolutely see Taken King being number one, but especially if you compare the times they were released, when Taken One was was first um you know announced and released to us we had nothing like it not no we had no hint or clue that the game was about to change in this we way nothing whereas now you could say that the success of each expansion is based on the success of the previous give or take and it's because forsaken and uh, agreed forsaken was so great and beyond light and i know i'm forgetting another one shadow keep there we go I don't know what it is. I just forget Shadow Keep. I don't. Know, it's, you go to Keep. the moon. You discover the pyramid, yeah. but then you don't really. Anyway, um, it was it was, it because these campaigns are so successful and they keep getting creating yeah. new things for the game that they're able to improve upon with the next season. So that's why comparing Witch Queen to uh, Taken King doesn't necessarily work. I would say this is Witch Queen is the best expansion of Destiny yeah, Two. No. I can say that hands down, no questions asked. And we're not even fully done with it. But just with the mm-hmm. amount of new stuff they've given us to do and explore, yeah, yeah it tops what they've done in the yeah, past. And, um, you know, Taken King could be the best of Destiny 1. Yeah. Just in my opinion, I personally prefer Rise of Iron because, again, that was an, it was built upon Taken King and the successes of that. So you really had the best year of Destiny 1 within Rise of Iron. Yeah. But... No, you really did. Rise of Iron also had a whole bunch of quality of life improvements that really made the game feel really good. You know, it's like, I'm not taking anything away from it. It's just like, again, personal things like, yeah, uh, the quality of life stuff was was amazing in Rise of Iron. That is what me and my wife played the most. (laughs) Okay. We're running a little bit over at an hour. So before I let y'all go, um, we didn't even talk about like half the things that we had planned. 
um, to talk about. So uh, for the future episode, for the next episode, we will be discussing (laughs) more about the gameplay updates. We definitely will have a section about the brand new Gambit mechanics and changes, the overall changes they've made Mm -hmm. to Gambit. It's kind of more like Gambit Prime a little bit, but um, Mm -hmm. we'll get into we'll get into it next episode. Yeah, it's something. And whether not you enjoy it or not for, is up to you. There. But um they did say that just like um <laughs> just like Trials of Osiris last yeah. season that there will be some weeks where they have alternate events that we can test out with Gambit. We see what kind of goes on there. So get ready for gameplay updates, get ready for a whole lot more lore. Yeah. We really just touched on some of the bigger topics. But you'll find that in the niches of the throne world is where the real story is going on. We haven't even talked about Finch. So who's Finch? Tune in next episode. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's mostly what I have for y'all. And uh, be easy, breezy, beautiful. Thank you for sticking around. And thank you for yeah. being here for the first episode of season two. Uh, hope that we answered some questions for you or that we will answer the questions that you have soon. Uh, you can actually reach us on our Discord or you can leave a review for the uh, podcast episode. You can actually leave comments if there's specific things that you want to know about what's going on in the campaign. Mm-hmm. Let us know. Like, I don't mind giving you answers or trying to find the answers for you. These are It's all learning for me and I'm interested in everything. So, um, yeah, please feel free to interact with us. We also do have yeah. a uh, Destiny 2 Clan Becoming Legend pod. Um, there is a link in the show notes. You can find us, and it's really easy to get, and all you have to do is just click join. That's, that's it. We have no requirements. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have five uh, vow completions. You don't have to have all of the yeah. exotics. You don't have to be 1560 light, and um, you don't have to have completed the campaign on Legendary Flawless. Like You can just join. We'll play with you. You'll have a good time. <laughs>